Alright, why don't you guys grab a seat. Well, welcome again to Bethany in West Seattle. Uh, my name is Prentice and I'm the lead pastor here and I get the privilege and honor to serve this community alongside with so many other volunteers and leaders and people and staff. Uh, and, and this morning was interesting because uh, I woke up with a bit of a cold and my throat was hurting and I told myself that uh, during worship that I will not sing so I can make sure that I can last the entire sermon. Uh, but how could you not? It was incredible. So thank you to our, our worship team. And, and as they said, as Chelsea indicated, that today is the beginning of what we call Holy Week. And we start off today with, uh, with Palm Sunday. And so that's why, if you're new with us today, we don't have children do that every week, although that would be wonderful. Uh, they would come around and, and they had palms waving and it re represented what the triumphal entry is what we call it. When Jesus entered uh, and there were people just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and dropping tree leaves and palm leaves so he can walk over and the, him and the donkey can to, to ride over. Uh, and this word Hosanna uh, is this word that says, save us. And so a lot of times we'll use this word Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, because it's in songs, it's in the Bible, and, and it's this word that said, save us. Uh, and today that's, that's what we're talking about as we continue the series uh, of I Am Statements. Uh, and all over the scripture, Jesus says, I am. I am the vine. I, I am the shepherd. I am uh, the door or the gate. And today he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It is through me that I can receive all those things. And in, in this scripture that we, I will read in just a moment, Jesus says, Listen to me, Hosanna, I will save you. And this is what Holy Week and Easter and all this is all about. And so the scripture, I'll just read it for us, comes from John chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. Uh, and it says this, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let me just read that again, because it's going to be kind of the crux of where we're going today. Uh, and just kind of going off my notes for a second. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this morning, many of us, we bring troubled hearts, whether it's in your personal life, whether the things that are going on in this world with watching the news and with Syria and refugees and violence and all these things that are happening. It says, even in the midst of that, do not let your hearts be troubled. Even this morning when I was reading the news, there was a Coptic church in Egypt that was attacked. And if you don't know anything about the Coptic church, it's a church in Africa. It's a matter of fact, many scholars will say it's the first Christian church where people have died. And yet we enter into this holy week with this tension of lament because we know what's going to happen in the life of Jesus on that death and resurrection, on that cross. Yet there's this other side where we understand that there's hope and there's joy because the resurrected Christ will resurrect. Not only in his life, but brings life to our own selves. Okay, let's get back to the text. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, is what Jesus says. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. 
so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to this place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, from now on you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have called us to not have troubled hearts. And in those troubled hearts that you call us, just believe in you. And that belief changes everything. In your name we pray, amen. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And like I said, a lot of us, we're going through something, a season, a chapter, whatever it is. And it sounds so easier said than done when, the, when Jesus says the, uh, the medicine, the, the antidote to a troubled heart is to just believe in me. And in verse 7 says, believe in me and, then, and also uh, in the Father. Verse 11 says, I and the Father are one. So just believe in me, Christ is saying. Uh, and I will give you th- three reasons. It's in your bulletins that we see that why Jesus can be trusted when Jesus says, believe in me, even in the troubled times. First, we'll say, uh, I want to talk about Christ will go with us, even in our troubled times, even in those seasons, that Jesus will be with us, goes before us. Christ goes before us. Uh, and, and I want to say it's a little arrogant, even in myself, when we have so much concern about what's happening in our future, the direction that we're going, when Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going before you. And second, Christ does not leave you. And third, Christ will always go with you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. A few weeks ago, uh, I get this mass email from our staff and it asks for uh, any trained shuttle drivers to, to, to volunteer for this evening because the regular sh- shuttle driver uh, was not available. Uh, and, and what happens is our, our church, Bethany, particularly in the Green Lake location, uh, every week or once every couple weeks, uh, we house uh, women and children as a kind of an overflow to a shelter downtown. And this one evening, they didn't have a volunteer driver. Uh, and so I know how to drive the bus. I've driven it before. And so uh, for this evening, I decided to volunteer my time and pick up the women uh, that evening to bring them back to Green Lake. But I've never done this before. I've never been on this route. I've never done this volunteer uh, event before. And so I got directions, I got an address, and I got told what to do. And so I got into the shuttle, and I'm driving to this place downtown in Seattle weather, uh, which is dark, rainy, gloomy, uh, in Seattle traffic downtown, which is a madhouse, for a lot of you, you guys know because you guys work there. Uh, and I'm driving, I'm looking for this place, and I have to park in the middle of, of, I forget, of, of a busy street for the women to come in. And, and I'm already starting on the wrong foot because I parked at the wrong location. Uh, and so all the women had to walk into down this busy street to get into the shuttle. Uh, and not only that, is once they got into the shuttle, 
<clears throat> I had to go to a different location to pick up their sheets, their linen, to bring back to Green Lake. And I had no idea where I was going. And so I had my Google Maps pulled up and I was driving. And, and I had all the women in the back. Uh, and I'll tell you what, one of my biggest pet peeves are backseat drivers. Can you guys agree with me there? Anyone else? That evening, I had 12 backseat drivers. Uh, and as I was going, I was, from one ear, I was, I was hearing, oh, go left. Another ear, go right. Go down the street. Go down this alleyway. And I was, you know, really flustered. I go down the wrong street. I don't know what I'm doing. I have to go all the way around because of all the one-way streets uh, and, and, and make several different loops. Uh, and finally... And I was almost there, and I just keep pe- people, keep hearing women yelling, you go the wrong way, this way, that way. I finally pull over. I kid you not, I pull over, and I say, stop, you cannot yell at me anymore. No more yelling at me. It's not allowed. And then I said, you're going to have to just trust me. I know we just met. I know this is my first time, but you're just going to have to trust me. I will get us there. Eventually, I'll get us there. Just trust me. And the point is this. The point is as soon as I said, you're going to have to trust me, something changed in their attitudes. Something changed in their mentality that they were no longer backseat driving. And part of that was I told them there was a new rule. You cannot yell at me. But immediately, something changed where when I said, you're going to have to trust me, there was, a, there was a sense of security, there was a sense of trust, and there's a sense of, okay, I will be taken where I need to be taken to when we finally arrived uh, to the shelter, safe and sound, although uh, I literally almost ran somebody over, but I didn't. And I see Jen, one of our members here, opens the door. Uh, She was a volunteer that evening uh, for the shelter and welcomes the women in. And I just felt so much peace. Something changed. Trust me. And in our text this morning, Jesus makes that same ask for all of us, for you, for me, and I love in the original word here when it says trust, it's in this, imp- or believe, it's in this imperative form, uh, which means it's not more, not just a declaration of please trust me. It's not really a question. It's more of a command. It's a command that Jesus says, trust me. This morning, Jesus is commanding us to trust him, even in our troubled hearts. Says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And if the meetings I've had and the phone calls I've had this week uh, are indicative to what the rest of our congregation is going through, then this is more important than ever. I've had meetings and phone calls and one-on-ones with people that are wrestling with divorce, infidelity, death, ugly diagnosis, mental illness at its worst, uh, worst, the world and its chaos, all the violence, and no exaggeration. This was just last week. Can you resonate? Is your heart troubled this morning? Are you going through loss? Is your family situation not the way that you dreamed it would be? Is your career not how you imagined? 
Are you struggling in your relationships with others, with your spouse, with friends, with God? Are you in a season of just bad news? Maybe illness, maybe addiction, maybe anger, maybe there's fear and anxiety. I know a lot of us, even in this political landscape, that there's a lot of that. And to you and to me, in the midst of all that darkness and chaos, Jesus says, believe, I command you, this is an order, believe that I will provide for you. Later in the same in the same story, it says in love and believe in me. Because, because that works. It says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater things. Whatever you ask in my name, I will provide. Whatever you ask, even in your troubled times, in your troubled hearts, whatever you ask for, I will provide. And what I provide is not of this world. It's not what the society and the culture can provide for you. It says, I bring you a peace. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I will give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And so again, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. Because God will come through. Maybe not the way we want. Maybe not the way we expect. Maybe not the world, maybe not the way that the world says what success looks like. But Jesus says, trust me. And don't let your hearts be troubled. And even in our context, when Jesus was saying this in John chapter 14, this was a very turbulent time in that first century context. And when Jesus says to his disciples, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Just believe in me. I can imagine the disciples saying, are you kidding me, Jesus? You know what's going on, and that's what you have to say? You have to say, don't be troubled. Believe in me. Do you not have a clue of what's happening? And even in a nutshell, here's what's happening. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He's about to die. That's what Palm Sunday is all about when he enters into Jerusalem. And no one else got it. And this, I was even talking with someone, even just thinking about this alone, broke my heart. Here Jesus is, coming into Jerusalem. No one knows what's going to happen except for himself. And what he knows is this, is that as soon as I cross over, I am going to die. That's a... That's a lonely place to be. Can you imagine how lonely Jesus must have felt? How isolated he would have been? He had no support, not even an acknowledgement because nobody knew what was about to happen except for himself. And not only die, but die on a death on a cross. And he comes into Jerusalem. And I would say, whether you're a Christian or you're not, that is a very lonely, lonely place to be and to acknowledge. And then not only that, he tells his followers that that one of you will betray me for money. And another one of you will deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus also knows on the day that he will be arrested that his own friends won't be supportive, can't stay awake with him. There's trouble amongst the community. They're fighting. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? 
There's so much chaos and darkness going on. Even the disciples knew at least half of the story. And yet Jesus says, do not be troubled. Are you kidding me? And many of us, we've experienced this. We go through a difficult season of life and somebody says to you, somebody has the audacity to say to you, hey, don't worry, right? Things are gonna be okay. They don't know that. You know, growing up in my household, I grew up with a uh, mom and dad and, and like a kind of a traditional Korean household. We had my grandmother move in when I was younger to take care of myself and my sister. Uh, and she, she literally was like a second mother to us and to my sister especially. Uh, my sister and my grandmother were, were best friends. Uh, and uh, after several years, several years, uh, and about four years ago, she was diagnosed with, with cancer. And then two years ago, she passed away. And I'll never forget the date because it was August 4th, 2015, uh, the birthday of my sister. And, and we would always say, well, well, Grandma wanted to stay alive to wish you a happy birthday before she died. And I remember being at her funeral. We were crying. We were so sad. That we were grieving. We were mourning. And I remember a woman from her church comes up to me and says, why are you crying? Why am I crying? My grandmother just passed away. I'm crying because I'm sad. And she says, you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't be crying because she's in heaven and she's in a greater place. Don't worry. And, and immediately uh, I was filled with a sense of anger because someone said that to me. You have no idea. Why should I trust you? Although those words were true, I do believe all of that. Here this woman comes and says, don't worry, things are going to be okay. Why should I trust you? And here Jesus says, in the midst of so much that's going on, believe in me. And the question is, why should we believe in you, Jesus? And first I would say, because Christ already has gone before you. It says, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places if it were not so, why would I tell you this? Verse three, it says, and if I go, really the proper word is, and when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you here. Jesus says, I'm going before you. I'm going into the places that you will go into. And there's many rooms, different experiences. I will go first. And the places that you end up going that brings you joy, that brings you sorrow, that brings you pain. I've already been there. You'll see the things that I saw in life. You'll see the things that I felt. You'll experience the things that I've experienced, the thoughts, the emotions, all those things. From joy to anger, from sadness to hope, from anxiety to peace, I have been on that road, Jesus is saying, and I've prepared that place for you to enter, and I know what it feels like, and I know what you will be going through. I have felt that. And Christianity is, is the only world religion where it says that the God, Jesus, comes into and interacts with humanity and experiences not just the joys and not just the happiness, but also the pains and the struggles and the challenges as the people do. And, the important, and this concept of God going before was an important concept to the Jews. 
You know, back in Deuteronomy, when Moses was handing leadership over uh, to, to, uh, to Joshua, uh, it says this, it said, uh, Moses says to Joshua in Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous, for you must go with the people into the land that the Lord has uh, swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it amongst uh, their inheritance. And in verse 8 in, in, 30, in chapter 31, it says this, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament where it says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because the Lord your God goes before you and has gone into the places that you will go. Christ has gone on the road that you've been through, that you will go through. It doesn't say when your heart is troubled or it doesn't say if your heart is troubled. It says when. We will experience troubled hearts. And know that Jesus has had his heart troubled. And we find solidarity with him. I love in chapter 13, just one chapter before, it says, after all of what Jesus says, it says, then Jesus' heart was troubled. Don't you love that? It says, Jesus' heart was troubled in chapter 13. And then in 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. After Jesus' heart was troubled. He was troubled as well for good reason. And so we see a sense of solidarity there. That Jesus has gone on the road that we've been on and that will go on. And it's that solidarity that gives birth to intimacy. And it's that intimacy that grows into a place of trust and safety. So why should we trust Jesus? Because Jesus has been there and he is credible. You know, it's no wonder, and I've said this before, one of my favorite authors uh, is, is this woman named Brene Brown, and she says that the most powerful words that you can ever say to somebody are two words, and it's the words, me too. Me too are the most powerful words that you can say to somebody, as in that solidarity brings those two people together. I remember even speaking about my grandmother's death. It was like a week after. Uh, and I was telling the, the, the service, the people, how, how difficult and how challenging that was. And immediately after that service, an older gentleman who I've never met before says, Prentice, thank you for sharing. Uh, and two months ago, I lost my wife. And we sat down on the steps. We prayed together. We cried together, not just any cry, but the ugly cry. You know what I'm talking about? We ugly cried together. This stranger, this person I've never met before. And instantly we are connected. Instantly we become brothers. Instantly we have this closeness that I probably didn't even have with people that I knew. Because of that solidarity that gave birth to safety, to trust, to intimacy. He said to me, Prentice, me too. I was once told by a friend who was a part of AA uh, that each person begins with, hello, my name is, and I am an alcoholic. 
And, and yes, it's about ownership uh, of those habits, but it's also and just as much has to do with being in the room to identify as an individual with the rest of the people there. Essentially, when a person goes up and says, hello, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic, the point is, me too. And that binds the room, even strangers, together. And so when Jesus says, even in your troubled hearts, you can trust me. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am all of that to eternal life, not just eternal life after you die, but even abundant life from John 10, 10 right now. You can trust me. Why? Because I've been there. I know what you're going through. And because of that, we are deeply, deeply, deeply connected. We can trust Jesus when he says, believe in me. I will come through. And then it says, my second point, Christ will never leave you. In verse five through seven, we see Thomas, Jesus, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going, I gotta leave. And Thomas says, where, how do I get there? He's basically saying, what's the address to heaven? Because where you're going, I wanna go too. There's confusion. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute. I, let, me, let me retell you what's about to happen. And oftentimes, Thomas gets a bad rap for this. He gets a bad rap for not understanding. And yet we see a sense of compassion from Jesus, unlike the Pharisees. When Pharisees question him, it's because of, uh, of negative antics and, and, and to set him up or whatever. But Thomas is saying, legitimately, where are you going? I, I have questions for you. I have concerns. I don't know what's happening. We're wrestling. Where are you going? And Jesus answers him with compassion. See, on Friday, I went to a worship night called Sing at Bethany in our Green Lake location. And, and um, one of the things that the speaker said, and I'll never forget this because I actually resonate with this, that oftentimes, many times, we view God as a mean God. We may not use those words. We may not actually say that to ourselves. But it, the way we frame God, we think that God is just mean or that God is constantly angry because how God treats us depends on how we treat God. If we do well, if we love him, if we do good, then God is good to us. Well, if we do bad, if we make mistakes, well, then God's going to be bad and uh, not take care of us. And I'd argue that especially us in the West, we project a very Western attitude towards God, a very quid pro quo mindset. We project that on people and we project that on God. And just know that even in times of trouble, that God expects us and wants us, and it's okay to ask questions and to be confused, just like Thomas was. And with compassion, Jesus responds. And for a lot of us, we're afraid to wrestle with God. God, what the heck are you doing? God, what is happening? God, do you actually love me? All that is okay, and I would say it's necessary. We can't scare Jesus away. There's nothing we can do for God to love us more. There's nothing we can do to God love us, for God to love us less. We can question. We can even doubt. We can even wrestle. We can even wonder. It's okay. Conflict is okay. Conflict is necessary. It's required for any relationship. 
Conflict actually helps two people get to know each other better, and it creates closeness. And in the Old Testament, Jacob says that Jacob wrestled with God. And you know what Jacob says as Jacob was physically wrestling with God? Jacob says, I will not let go. God's saying, let go. And Jacob says, I will not let go. Because Jacob wanted to know the truth. Jacob wanted to have intimacy and closeness with God. And for us, do we do that? Do we wrestle, truly wrestle with God? Or are we even afraid to do that? Because I would say if you don't, there's something missing in your faith. I remember my first day of seminary uh, in our New Testament class. I remember thinking, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to learn how to, how to read and write Greek. Man, I'm going to know all the history of the, old, the, uh, the New Testament. Man, I'm going to have all these fancy words, and I'm going to know what vindication means and, and restoration and all that stuff. I'm going to learn how to walk on water. I'm going to learn how to turn water into wine, which I was looking forward to. Uh, that was a joke. Come on, guys. Give me some love here. <laughs> and I go into the classroom uh, it, having all these high expectations. The professor, a profound New Testament professor, starts off the class with this question. <clears throat> Why did Jesus have to die? That's, that's the question. Why did Jesus have to die? I came to seminary to answer the question, why did Jesus, to be asked, why did Jesus have to die? I've been learning this since I was in grade school, since I was in elementary school, in Sunday school. Jesus had to die to forgive me of my sins. Duh. Can we move on to turning water into wine? How do I do that? Okay, and obviously someone answers, well, to forgive us of our sins. Well, then why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Uh, I don't know, it's just, he just did, okay, leave me alone. Well, well, why was there satisfaction when Jesus, when, when, when there's sin and then God had to, you know, kill his son? That's weird, isn't it? Why did that have to happen? And, and for the first time, after several years, I go to seminary to try to figure out, why did Jesus have to die? Jesus, why did you have to die? And, and I was wrestling and, and, and confused and, and still am during that very elementary basic question. And, and all that to say, it's okay to ask why. When I was a chaplain at a hospital, I would see people die and get sick every single day. And the question I would ask God is why? Why does this 12-year-old who was diagnosed with cancer have to go through this? Why? Why is there suffering? Why is there injustice? It's okay to wrestle with God. Even in Philippians, it says, uh, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer, in petition, present your request to God. Basically, Paul is saying the same thing. Don't be troubled. Even in your anxiety, pray. Seek God. Petition. Go back and forth. Wrestle with God. It's okay. It's required. Because our third point, Christ goes with you. Christ will never leave you, even in your wrestling, even in your confusion, even in your doubt. Christ will never leave you. And finally, Christ will go with you. When I tell people, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we completely surrender, it doesn't mean that suddenly life is going to be good. It doesn't mean it's all going to be roses. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes your hearts are going to be troubled. 
because I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this clearly. I'm not saying that if you have more faith, then all your problems will be solved. I'm not saying if your problems aren't solved, it's because of your lack of faith. I don't know how God works all the time, but here's what I'm saying, that God will always go with you. And sometimes that's all we have, isn't it? In our times of truly being troubled for ourselves, for our country, for our leaders, for our world, in our desperation, all we have to do, all we have left is to cling on to hope for peace, for comfort. And in this Holy Week, may that be the resurrected Christ who defeated death, who defeated sin, who defeated sadness and anger and anxiety in the place and gave birth in resurrected peace, joy, hope for our lives. Growing up, I love this story. There's an Old Testament story in Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, three faithful Jewish brothers and this king, this bad guy, Nebuchadnezzar, says, you know what, I want, to, I want you to give up your God. If you don't give up your God, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And he says, never. They say, never, never. I will never abandon God, never. To make a long story short, okay. So the king, Nebuchadnezzar, throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery hole. And, and then in that, uh, in that passage, Nebuchadnezzar's confused. He says to his people, his soldiers, he says, didn't I throw three brothers in there? Why do I see four people in there? I th- right, people? And, and, and his soldiers said, yes, certainly, there were three people. And, and, and he's confused. Nebuchadnezzar says, but I swear, I saw four. And that story means that it was God in that fiery hole with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they made it out alive. It doesn't say that God was like, all right, you guys, go ahead. You'll be fine. I'll protect you. Just go. The point of that story is that even in the fire, even in the pain, even in your troubled hearts, that first had God has already been there, that God will never leave you because God will go with you, walks alongside you. And so you're never alone. And so that's why we can trust Jesus when he says, even in the troubled times, whatever it is, in the darkness, in the chaos, in the pain, in the hurt, believe me, I will provide peace. I will provide comfort, something that you cannot get from the world that can only come from me because I am the way. And it's the truth. And what I bring gives you life and life abundant. So after I dropped off the women at the shuttle, I get an email the next day from Jen. And she said, Prentice, the women couldn't stop talking about you. They, well, that sounds super arrogant. The, <laughs> the women said, you know, the women said they had a, you know, they were so thankful that you stepped up and, and you brought us here. They were so grateful. They had a great time, you know, you know conversing with you in the shuttle. And I was so confused. I was so confused because I could have sworn I was so angry and I yelled at them for yelling at me and I remember leaving so flustered that evening. And yet, 
I said, trust me. They trusted me. And they came, and I came through, and they knew I would come through. And they had this sense of gratefulness that was shocking to me because I was not nice that night. They had peace. Where do we need to take a leap of faith? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And as we continue into worship, I want, to, I want us to respond to that question. First, where is your heart troubled? Where do you need to take a leap of faith and just believe? Because what God brings is nothing what the world can provide. If it's upward of mobility, if it's a substance, if it's a relationship, that, that won't work. At the end of the day, none of those will provide the peace that Christ can give to us. So maybe right now, so we have a, we have a time to take an inventory. I, I just invite us to just kind of close our eyes. And I want you to really think about this question, where is my heart troubled this evening?